this is a good day for no, no, it's not. We're we're all disappointed. Um, you know, it's 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 you know, it's never good when this has to happen. You know, and uh, certainly a disappointment. Um, but I do know this: that adversity does make you stronger. You know, in your personal life, you know, in your uh, team life, you know, it does make you stronger. It's, no, it's how you come through it. It's how you respond to it. You believe that the trade for Sweat has kind of ratcheted up any pressure on you to kind of get things turned around? No, I'm, I'm excited about that. I mean, that uh, getting Montez Sweat is uh, is awesome, and uh, we get an outside pass rusher um, that's long, um, that's uh, you know, lean, has production. And we're certainly excited about that. And everybody in the building is excited about it. You know, you can feel the buzz in there. You know, when I, when I introduced, uh, you know, him today to the team, you know, I know he's got to do the physical. He wasn't at the team meeting, but uh, introduced him there. And I know the guys are, are following it close. But, uh, yeah, we're certainly excited about that, not only on offense, but the entire football team. Yeah, is, that's the entire football team. Is he, play, is he playing this weekend? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, he's, he's got the physical. And then, again, we're going to get him ramped up ASAP. I'm going to give him a jersey and we're going to play. All right. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. We just heard a portion, a live portion, of Coach Matt Eberflus, uh, his uh, midweek press conference, and, conference, and he was addressing uh, questions, repeated questions from the media about the firing of running back coach David Walker. Uh, this is the second firing of a, a member of his staff in the last six weeks. So he faced a barrage of questions having to deal with the culture at Hallis Hall. Is there a problem? Is there a problem with uh, the hiring process? He was quite evasive, as we all would expect he would uh, have to be. And so uh, he also answered, of course, questions about Montez Sweat. He is in the building taking his physical and everything is a go. He is expected to perhaps take some snaps uh, this Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Let me bring in the man of the hour. He is, of course, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? Oh, you're muted. Let me unmute you. I think that was me. That was my fault. My fault. Oh, okay. I got you. So I got to repeat that? I'm wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I'm glad you're wonderful. Uh, you look wonderful. And I know you've got a lot to share with us regarding all of the stuff that's been happening at Hallis Hall over the last 48 hours. Should we start with the running backs coach being fired? Did you know David Walker? Do you have any news about his performance? Uh, anything to, at all? No, no, no. Yeah, okay. I, I. Let's move on. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the man. May have met him once or twice. I just don't recall. Uh, you know, when he was a player, I may have met him. Mm -hmm. Um, where'd he go to school? I think he went to Syracuse or something. Uh, so back then when he was coming out, I've only been doing this, you know, 
a lot of these guys were playing when they started doing this. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I, I can't say I know the guy. I know nothing about what happened. I can imagine what happened. I got a pretty good idea what happened, but I admit I'm throwing a dart at the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can just say this, and, and it's like, because my, my wife used to comment about this, especially, you know, early in our marriage. Football teams were like the last of the corporate culture to bring in HR people and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was boys will be boys type atmosphere. Mm-hmm. going on in the building, which is no longer acceptable. And so, you know, things went on, things were said, jokes were told, things like that that just can't do anymore. Right. And and so, uh, you know, it, it was, I just wondering if, Back then, and, and you know, this my my time with the Bears started twenty two years ago. <laughs> How many people would have been fired then? You know, <laughs> based on today's standards. Absolutely, I totally get that. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not would... just referring about coaches and guys in the front office. I'm mm-hmm. talking about some of the ladies too that worked there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. The uh, conduct and today's workplace, whether it's for a professional sports team or a corporation or a small business, is much close, more closely uh, monitored, and the guidelines are much stricter than ever before. No doubt about it. Well, I, I'll tell you one little story, but I can't tell it on the air. So as soon as we get done, <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. But uh, let me ask you this regarding Coach Matt Eberflus. I mean, this is the second firing in. Well, it's uh, really the first firing. The other guy resigned. Yeah, but you you and I know that he was forced out. He was not going to be allowed to stay. Right. Given that there have been human resource issues regarding two coaches, do you think that there is a problem with the background check or hiring of the Chicago Bears? Do you, you know, clearly this is a black eye for the organization. So I'd love for you um, to speak on that. You know, it's it's a good question, but I don't want to blow it out of proportion because okay. again, things today are so much different than they were even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so let's say a, a for instance, and I don't know what happened, so I'm just you know throwing garbage at the wall here. And I won't say him, we'll just say, say a person, male employee hits on a female employee and she doesn't like it. That's grounds for firing. That's right. Okay, now does that make him a bad person? Nobody's breaking the rules within the workplace. You know, so, you know, without knowing a thing about it, I don't know. I, I don't really want to comment much about it because I you know, I don't know what the hell to say. And yeah. I'm not going to say it, it reflects badly on sluice. It's very, very easy to say that mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. point the finger that way. But at the same time, you know, people can be very quiet 
and discreet about their demons. And then all of a sudden, yes, they come do. to the forefront. And, and you know that as well as I do. So uh, it can be a shock to everybody. Yes. And so, you know, you say, who, who the hell knows? It's not for me to judge only because I'm not going to speak out a line, number one. And number two, I wouldn't know what the hell I was talking about to be. Craig, you freezed up there a little bit. Uh, you're still frozen. I'll uh, I'll go to Eric's comment here. You know, uh, Eric says we're take, but if the HR department was implemented by uh, polls, you, there, go ahead, Greg. There, you froze there, up. Yes, there was a lot of rumor out there mm -hmm. about that, and has any of that rumor come to fruition? I mean, if some of those rumors were in fact true. Something would have happened between then and now. Mm -hmm. Do you agree or disagree? Totally agree. Okay, um, so that's why that's why I, you know, I'm not going to touch this because people can be vicious with rumors and not know what the hell they're talking about. Mm -hmm. That is very, very true. There's no doubt about it. And I agree with Eric's take on this is that you got to compliment uh, Ryan Poles and the HR department. They found something wrong and they acted on it where, you know, organizations in the past have been known to sweep things under the rug. This wasn't done over at the Chicago Bears organization. We may not like the fact that two Bears coaches have been fired for reasons uh, unknown. But the fact of the matter is that HR situations are usually private. We don't go around saying, you know, uh, this guy was fired because he did such and such. That wouldn't happen. That's not likely to happen at your job, anyone in the chat room. That's just not likely to happen because there are certain legal standards. You just don't. There, there, I, I just got to say that there's laws protecting people. Exactly. You know, about exactly. that. There's privacy laws protecting people. So, yeah. Can something get leaked down the road? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. will it? Who knows? I mean, since the coordinator left, there's been silence. Right. And you would think that if some of these rumors were true, there'd be a lot more out there, and there's absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sam Rush says you, sh you should have seen some of the Halloween costumes that some of the women wore at his job yesterday. Yeah, yeah why don't we see? <laughs> Send us pictures. <laughs> All right, let's get to the matter of football. Let's stop kidding around here or dealing with issues off the field. Let's talk about, really, this is sort of off the field, but going to be on the field, the acquisition of former commander's defensive end Montez Sweat. What is your immediate reaction to that? And then after a night sleeping on it, what do you think, Greg? Well, number one, I love it. I loved it yesterday. love it now. I'm going to love it tomorrow. But let's back up a little bit on this because there's a, there's a story behind this. Because it started off, and, and as Pro Football Weekly first reported, I think, on Friday, um, the Bears and, and, and the – Commanders were tied and rumored to be in the midst of negotiations for trading for Chase Young. Uh, fast forward to Sunday on the Fox pregame show, Jay Glazer, who's a pretty darn good insider, uh, said, no, that's not going to happen. 
Now, I know Jay very, very well. Jay and I go back better than 30 years. He was a, uh, he started off when he got out of college, like his, one of his first jobs. I don't know if it was his very first job, but one of his first jobs was writing for a Newsweekly called the Giants Newsweekly. It would be very similar to Windy City Gridiron or Bear Report or something like that. But, you know, there was no real internet back then. It looks like we're having a bad day with Greg's connection uh, today. He should be hopefully back. Let me make sure it's not my connection. Um, I look to be very strong with my connection. We'll get Greg back here shortly. Uh, we were on the topic of Montez Sweat's acquisition. There were stories out uh, as early as this weekend, really, when Jay Glazer was reporting that the Chicago Bears were looking for a defensive end. Um, and uh, that trade was accomplished yesterday afternoon. Sweat is at Hallis Hall today getting his physical to make everything uh, legal. There's there's uh, our man, Greg. Greg, uh, you were in the middle of uh, the Jay Glazer report and a little bit yeah, after so that when we lost. Jay and I go way back. So, you know, we, we've known each other. We're good friends. We talk a lot. So I right after he said that, I waited till the pregame show got over obviously and i sent him a text i said hey what what what's the scoop the real scoop on, on young and uh uh the bears and he said bears couldn't get all the medical they needed to feel comfortable making a trade and which you know i i've been saying this all along there was a heavy risk involved with Chase Young, unless you knew what was going on inside that knee. He had really two injuries. He had a, he had a torn ACL and a torn patella tendon. So the two of them together is a very catastrophic injury. Um, so it's really two repairs in the same joint. Uh, physically, he has come back. What you don't know, and you're not going to know until you do a thorough examination uh, and get an MRI and an X-ray of what's the inside of that joint look like. And they particularly want to know two things, the stability of the joint. And number two, has arthritis begun to set in? Because the arthritic conditions never, you know, constantly change and never get better. And it can limit a guy's career, uh, limit his practice availability, et cetera. So without knowing that, you know, they weren't about to make a trade and I can't blame them. And, you know, like I say, I've been saying this all along only because, you know, I've dealt with stuff like this. And I do know that if there's, one thing the Bears orthopedics don't like, and this is from my own experience working there, they don't like arthritic changes going on in, in knee joints. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so um, because, you know, nothing but bad can happen. Yep. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I learned. 
Yeah, that's one of the things I learned from you when we were during the scouting process for the draft is that doctors will look at a knee and and, and sometimes say that this knee has got probably five seasons uh, in it. And so perhaps that could be the problem with Chase Young. Longevity could be an issue for him in this league. Given well, the you, fact you, that don't, he had... you don't, but yeah, well, what you don't know I... is that without the examination and they couldn't get that information. I mean, if they had a recent, yeah. and I'm throwing a dart at the wall here. If they had a recent MRI, you could tell it right there, you know, and, and but they, they couldn't get that information. So they backed, they backed out of that one. Um, but they came back, and, and part of this surprises me. We knew, given the money that, that Washington had given to Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, you know they couldn't pay off four of those guys. They would have had you know, close to $100 million in total contracts tied up on, on one position group. And so you knew at least one of those guys and, and both young and sweat are in the final year of their contract. So they're due to, excuse me, they're due to hit free agency in uh, March. So somebody was going to get traded. As it turned out, both were, and we'll get to the second part of that in a minute. But when the young deal fell through the bears switch gears and, and went to uh, sweat who, in my opinion right now, and I don't care if he's three years older is a better football player. Uh, he's taller, he's longer, he's faster, and he's had excellent durability. He's missed six games in his career all in 2000. 21 for broken jaw, which isn't a catastrophic injury. So, um, otherwise he's been healthy, totally healthy. Um, no knee injuries, no shoulder injuries that I know of. So, and he plays and he plays very consistently. I mean, he's got 35 and a half sacks in his career, a high number of tackles, just a consistent game after game after game player. And on top of that, from what I understand, he's very good in the locker room, got leadership quality to him, uh, good guy, hard worker, all the above. The only risk I see in this, and I don't really think it's a risk because I don't think Brian, especially after last year, would have made this trade unless he had some assurances, is that, Montez is coming out of contract, and so he can be a free agent in March. You want assurances you're going to get a deal done. Mm-hmm. Okay. As of right this second, there hasn't been. That doesn't mean they're not going to have one when he has a press conference later today or you know, mm-hmm. sometime in the near future. But I, I feel pretty confident they're going to get a deal done on that one. And, if, they, if they don't get a deal, Greg um, – do you feel like the Bears still have leverage because they have the opportunity to franchise tag him or even transition yeah. tag him? Well, you'd fran- it, 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 the, the franchise tag on a defensive end actually would be probably better than the transition. I don't think that I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the 
transition tag would be pretty easy to to match for a lot of teams for that kind of player. I mean, hey, hey he, this guy's going to cost you twenty plus million. I mean, I, I would think you you got to be thinking in the terms of the deal that Rashawn Gary just got from Green Bay the other day. Mm-hmm. That that that's the type of contract this guy's going to get. Okay. Um, have you heard anything at all regarding rumors that a Sweat wanted to go to Atlanta, his hometown, and even had talks about an extension, but that the Bears uh, basically swept in and made the better offer than the Falcons? Well, there was rumors that the the Falcons were making a bid. There's also rumors that their original offer was a three. Um, how far they came up? Hey, it's real simple. Although the team that gave the highest or potentially highest pick bid was going to get the player, you know, because Washington is obviously going into rebuild mold on some of the stuff. The guy I feel bad for is Ron Rivera. He just took away, you know, half his defensive line mm-hmm. in like eight hours. Um, but it's, you know, I think that's that's water under the dam because he was going to get traded to the team that offered the best deal to the commanders. Okay. And, and so, yeah, he might have had a preference to want to go to his hometown, but, you know... Except for the taxes in, in Illinois, this ain't a bad place. So, and <laughs> he can be a another strong foundation piece for the defense. Mm-hmm. To me, this is more like a go back to when when I was there because I think at the same ages were similar. Us acquiring a Gunlier. I'm not going to say Julius Peppers. Julius was older and a perennial, not just Pro Bowler, but a perennial All Pro. Yeah. But, you know, I would say it's more similar to uh, Arawali Gunlier. Uh, Probably a better player than, he is a better player than a Gunlier, but you know what I'm saying. You know, in that, Mm-hmm. We're we're talking in the in, in the same room. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. When you're talking quality of player, what do you say to people who uh, like T. Apocalypse says that uh, Montez only got numbers because he was surrounded by a very talented defensive line, and it's true they have two All-Pro, Pro Bowl caliber defensive tackles, and of course, Chase Young playing at that opposite defensive end position. For his career, Montez Sweat averaged 7.5 sacks per season, although I did uh, take out my calculator and looked at in the 17 games that Sweat played without Chase Daniels in the lineup, he did get nine and a half sacks, which is not bad. Chase Young. Right. Chase Young in the lineup. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I put nothing into that. Nothing at all. He's got to win his battle with the guy across from him. And a lot of times he played both sides, 
But a lot of times he was on the right side going against the left offensive tackle, which theoretically is your best pass blocker. And he won. So, yeah, yeah he, he's had sacks against right tackles. He had a sack a couple weeks ago against Darnell Wright. Um, but, you know, this, this, like I said, this is a quality player. There's a bunch of teams that were in on this. When they found out he was for sale, there were teams that, that wanted in. Now, you know, teams had to have, number one, the cap room to make the deal, cap room to make the deal for the for So, you know, that was going to play into it also, mm-hmm. you know, when a team went out and tried to get the guy. Um, so Montez Sweat, um, uh, he will, he will play the right end position and Yannick will, will play the left end position. Is that what you're no, anticipating? I think that they, no, I, I anticipate that they'll both do what they've been doing and that's flip-flopping. Okay. Play on both sides. It, I think some of it, uh, match up. Some of it could be strong side, weak side. You know, there's a lot of what determines what side they're lined up on. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that they'll be on both. And there's still going to be a rotation. But what this allows also is it allows Flus a little bit more flexibility that when you get into pass rush situations, you can move Walker inside as an interior pass rusher. And that was actually the position where he got his seven and a half sacks a year ago. Yeah. Well, uh, Rob Firearm Safety says bench uh, Justin Jones and uh, uh, move Walker to that three tech. Do you see uh, Walker playing some three tech for the Bears? Uh, I, I, you know, somebody asked me that earlier today. I said I, I see it in, and it doesn't, it could be really either position. Um, on pass downs, I don't see it on rundowns because I don't see them having the bulk that they want in a rundown player for an interior position. It's only 270 pounds. Yeah. One of the things that's very uh, intriguing about Sweat is that he should help the run defense considerably. He's considered one of the best defensive ends at stopping the run. Oh, he's real good. I, you know, I did a bunch of tape last night and, uh, you know, I've always been familiar with the guy and I did him coming out, but then you watch, you want to know what he's done, uh, since he's been the pro and yeah, he's a bitch when he, when he plays the run. And, and the one thing he's, he's very strong and he's got like unbelievable long arms, like better than 35 inch long arms. You know, I use the phrase, he's the type of guy you can tie his shoes without bending over. That's how long his arms are. And, and you can see him on, on some rundown plays, just bench press an offensive tackle, get rid of him, make the play. And he's not, you know, he doesn't give ground uh, when he's taken out a block. So even though he's only about 270, 274 pound guy, if that he, he doesn't ever give ground, mm-hmm. he's pretty stout. Um, 
what do you think of uh, this question here regarding uh, from Derek regarding Yannick? He hasn't been winning his one-on-ones. And, uh, you know, Yannick Ndakwe has never been known as a premier pass rusher. He's not going to win the majority of his one-on-ones. Uh, but how, how have you assessed Ndakwe's play so far? Well, I, I think, you know, because I rewatch the games, he gets – because he's the only, you know, up until yesterday when that trade was made, really the only quality edge rusher the Bears had on their roster. Mm-hmm. So teams went in to games saying, we're taking him out of the game or an attempt mm-hmm. to take him out of the game. Now, in the first week, now he had two missed sacks that should have been sacked in game two. You know, he, he so coming out of two games, he should have had three sacks, but he had the two misses. And he's he's had a lot of pressures. He hasn't finished. But I think that the acquisition of sweat helps everybody because, you know, now it, it, it helps Ngakwe first off because now you got to concentrate on him. It's going to leave. Ngakwe in more one-on-ones mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's probably going to help the interior guys too. So, you know, uh, you know, all told it, it, it's a, anytime you add a plus player to your defensive line and you give it more quality that it's, you know, that helps everybody around them. Yep. You have said, Greg, that the Bears in the upcoming draft will probably double dip like they did with defensive tackles and take two pass rushers in the in the first couple of rounds, perhaps. Uh, D. Starin asked, does this move change what you think the Bears will do in the draft this upcoming uh, draft season 2024? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, number one, it depends where they draft. You know, where do these are these two picks going to fall? Number two, have they made a decision on the quarterback? In other words, do we have to draft one or do we already have them here? Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that. The, the other thing is, okay, they, they've acquired a quality edge pass rusher. Okay, now it pushes down a little bit the premise of we got to use a high pick on one. So, and now they don't have a two. I was thinking they might use a one and a two. Uh, You know, it could be a one and a three because they don't have a two. Uh, And and I do believe they will uh, draft another one, but uh, it, it, it comes off the top of the, you know, being at the top of the pole. Right. As, as you know, a primary need. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to give them a little bit more flexibility. Um, you know, yeah, we got a little question mark there, assuming they sign him to an extension. Sure. Okay. But, um, and, and it wouldn't shock me that if they're happy with Ngakwe, that – they gave him another one-year deal, and it's you know probably not going to cost any more than the one this year cost. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, and if that happens, then they may just stay 
status quo. But, you know, we got to get through the season. That's why, like I say, the acquisition of, of sweat is huge because it takes care it, it hopefully takes care of a lot of things. I would if, if they had gotten young and they wouldn't have had to pay a second round pick for young, by the way, which we'll get I'll, I'll touch on that now. San Francisco got him for the last they have three comp picks coming. They got a comp pick for Carthon. They got a comp pick for uh Allen who went to uh or D'Amico Ryans, who went who went to Houston, and they're getting a comp pick from one of their players they lost in free agency. He the pick they trade is going to be end up, and they're not going to know until the spring. The lowest of those three comp picks, so where it actually falls in the order, you know that's yet mm-hmm. to be determined. But it's going to be around. You know, you don't have a huge number of of third round comp picks. There might be six. Or something like that, but there's 96 players drafted in the first three rounds without the comp. It's going to be a pick like 101, 102, 103, somewhere around in there is what San Francisco gave up. Okay, so Chicago's third would have been better because that's probably what Chicago would have given up, but you still have that risk of further arthritic conditions happening in that knee. And, and also, by the way, San Francisco knows this is purely a rental. They don't have any money to pay him. So he's hitting free agency in in uh, the spring. Well, they they are $20 million. I learned this yesterday after I posted something yeah. on. Uh, they are $20 million on, uh, above the cap, but they are rolling over an excessive $20 million this year. So that'll put them towards even. And the 49ers, one of the things that they have perfected is an excellent way of signing superstars because they've got Brock Purdy's contract to work with. And so they they could potentially figure out a way to sign Montez Sweat, Sweat at the expense of some other position players. Yeah, but they got they got another defensive lineman they got to sign too. So okay. it's gonna be it, it's gonna be okay. Pick your poison. Which one are we going to give the money to? Because we can't pay both. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And, and what I was told yesterday is what they their thinking is, okay, we're, we're paying a comp three, which is, you know, in the old days, really a four, a high four. So yes, we're paying that. But if we lose them in free agency, we're going to get another comp pick back. Yep. Swift you know, so – Swifty points out Javon Kinlaw, uh, Kinlaw is yeah. a free agent. Good interior right. defensive lineman. All right. I want to get to some of these Montez Sweat questions before we start talking about Jalen Johnson and Tyson Bajent. Uh, let's see what I got here. Um, does uh, Sweat play on Sunday, Greg? What's the percentage that he plays oh. Sunday? I'm going to say you're going to play well over 50% of the downs. It's <laughs> really? not like coming into a new offense. It's like, hey, man, you're an edge. You know what your job is? Get the fucking quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Here we go. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> I love it. You uh, saw, I mean, you, you saw what happened. <clears throat> Obviously, different scheme. Mm-hmm. Khalil Mack had two practices. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, that's, well, that was, you know, and, and they had two and a half sacks in the first game. Yes. You know, it, it's so much easier for a defensive player to come in to a different system. Now, it, a little bit harder for the guys on the back end because of the coverage calls. Mm-hmm. But for the front four, their jobs don't change a hell of a lot unless you were in a two-gap scheme and now you're in a one-gap scheme. And, and so and a lot of those rules change really for the interior defensive linemen, not necessarily the edges. So, yeah, I, I, I think Flus was just playing with that one for, you know, benefit of New Orleans. Well, we don't know how long you're going to play. Yeah, you're going to play about, I'm going to say right now, 60 to 70% of the downs. Davis has a related question to the Montez Sweat uh, situation. It's really a comment. He says he's excited to see how this helps the other defensive linemen. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, Greg, you know, the the Bears have built their philosophy about getting that interior pass rush going to help out and and the defensive ends playing more contained. Do you think that's going to switch the strategy at all? Well, you can attack from the outside a little bit more now with a, a qual, you know, a quality guy on, on each side, mm-hmm. you know, and so that part's better. Um, I mean, go back to a few years ago with with Quinn and um, Khalil Mack. You know, it's like pick your poison there, bro. You gotta. Somebody's gonna get loose here. <laughs> exactly. And, and and that now are the two guys here as good as Khalil and Quinn. Well, we know we know Quinn's up and down. When Quinn's at his best, he's as good as anybody. But he's at his worst just as much as he's at his best. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I I I the defensive line has been dramatically upgraded with one move. And I don't know if I would have said that if they acquired Chase Young. And I know Chase Young has played good this year. But two years from now, Chase Young might be walking around with a bad limp. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I've always been skeptical. And that's only because of, you know, my experience with this stuff. Indeed. Okay, let's turn to the subject now of cornerback Jalen Johnson. He reportedly asked uh, for permission to seek a trade. He wanted to be traded by the Chicago Bears, but uh, uh, the Bears did give him permission to, but a deal was not consummated. What do you know about the request by Jalen Johnson, the response by the Chicago Bears, and what did not transpire yesterday? Well, I I really right before – we came on, I finished writing an article, and actually it's about what we're talking about. Jalen Johnson and Montez Sweat. And, and you know, what I knew. So last week Jalen's on um, with Parkins and Spiegel, and, and you know, he lets it be known, yeah, we're talking, and, and you know, I think something's going to get done. And he, he seemed kind of optimistic. Okay, by Saturday, nothing got done. He was frustrated. His uh, 
his reps were frustrated. And so, well, trade me. Now, right away, around here, that turned into he's going to get traded. And as I tweeted out or, or posted earlier today or yesterday, thousands of people went into their MF Ryan Poles, MF the Bears, having anxiety attacks and everything else. You know how it is here. For some reason, everything gets negative. Telling a guy he can, he has permission to seek a trade is a very traditional negotiation tactic. And in most cases, it works for the team. Two very recent examples. Debo Samuel with the 49ers this summer. Trade me if you're not going to pay me. Where is he right now? Didn't he get a contract with the 49ers? After, oh, maybe the Bears should trade for Debo. He's available. He was never available. Okay. And, but he had permission to seek out a trade. And the same thing with Jonathan Taylor with the Colts. And again, right after he got permission, people around here going, oh, the Colts all trade for him. He's one of the best running backs in football. The Colts had no intention of trading him. They gave permission to seek out a trade. Well, here's what happens. And, and there's a couple things. Yesterday, and I know exactly what time, and I wrote it down on, you know, because every time you get a call, it shows up on your phone your phone log at 9.35, I got a phone call from a guy in the South who is, he's a friend of mine, number one. Number two, he's a quality insider. He's full of information and he's always right. He said, hey, Greg, he says, do you know what kind of contract that, that uh, Johnson's looking for? And I said, well, I assume he's looking for a lot of money. That's why I didn't get a deal done. He said, he wants a Jalen Ramsey, Trevon Diggs type contract. And he goes, I'm telling you right now, everybody around the league is laughing. And they're not laughing at Jalen. They're laughing at, um, at his agent. Now, from Jalen's point of view, and I wrote all this in the Windy City article, in his mind, Diggs' contract is a good comp for him. And why? Jalen Johnson was the 50th pick of the 2020 draft. Trevon Diggs was 51 in the same draft. So they came in the league the exact same day, one pick apart. Both came in and, and started as rookies. There's one difference, or not one difference, there's a few differences. Trayvon Diggs has been two-time Pro Bowler. He's been a one-time first-team All-Pro. He's missed very little playtime. And he's got 18 interceptions. Now, you look at Jalen. He's missed a lot of times. He has yet to play a full season. So far this year, he's on course to, but in his first three seasons, 
He has missed games every year with the most being last year, which was six or seven. Up until 10 days ago, he had one career interception. So it was 18 versus one. Now it's 18 versus three. I think there's a big difference in forced fumbles too. He's never been to a Pro Bowl and he's never been voted on as, as first team Pro Bowl. So there's a big difference in the two players, regardless of where they were drafted four years ago. So is Trevon Diggs a, a good comp? No, he's not. And, and does Jalen Johnson deserve, I think Diggs' contract is in the area of 19-7 average, somewhere between 19-7 and 20. You know, he's more like, if, if you look, and I don't have, I had it yesterday in front of me, if you look at, like, who's the ninth or tenth corner in the pay scale, that's closer to 15 or 16 a year. And I don't know where the Bears are at, but the Bears were probably somewhere in that area. And, you know, we're an area where you can get a deal done. Now, by giving him permission to go out and seek a trade, now they didn't have a lot of time because he didn't get permission until, you know, late Saturday night, that the agent could make phone calls and to people and, and you know, try to see if, if they'd be willing to pay. Well, you know, 3 o'clock came and no trade was made, which, which tells you what? Nobody wanted to pay him or nobody wanted to pay him $20 million, put it that way. You know, so my thinking is he got humbled a little bit, both the agent and the player. Because, And I think going into this, I don't think I'm positive. Polls knew this was going to happen. That, you know, come 3 o'clock yesterday, he was still going to be a bear. I mean, he didn't even get an offer. And then just the last, the last part of the story, a representative from another team called me, actually shortly after that first call, and he said, what do the Bears want? I said, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I said, I assume probably a two. He says, I'm going to find out. And he called me back 10 minutes later. He goes, they want two day two picks. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, so you can take that as two threes, a two and a three, mm-hmm. two twos, you know, who knows. But they want two day two picks, not necessarily both in the same year, but two day two picks. Probably would have settled on a second that they knew was going to be a high second. You know, so if you wanted him, you're going to have to pay number one and pay him number two. And no deal was going to get done. It was real simple. So Poles was in the driver's seat the whole way. And he has actually more leverage today than he had 48 hours ago. 
Uh, fascinating stuff, Greg. You know, my only concern now with Jalen Johnson, a player that I like very much, and I, I hope to. And I do too. I, I yeah. trust me, I do too. He's he's the best guy they have right now in the secondary. Right. My my only concern is it, it, can this coaching staff uh, motivate a player who might be disgruntled because the contract is still not settled because he did not get a trade. Uh, because perhaps he's thinking the, the Bears might have blocked them by asking for two day two picks. Um, so, do we have confidence that this coaching staff can keep him motivated, or you know maybe he doesn't need motivation because the motivation is there? He's playing for a contract. Okay, well let me let me answer that. Number one, it's the Bears' right to ask for two day two picks. Yes. He's their best defensive back, and he was a second round pick. And he has played really well. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't played to the, the level of the contract he wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, so now, so he, he can't be pissed off at the Bears because they wanted value for him. Yeah, right. Okay, so number two, he's an athlete. And now he's an athlete playing for a contract. Mm-hmm. And so if he's going to sit and sulk, all that's going to do is hurt his value both here and around the league. Mm. You know, and, and it's also going to say, okay, what kind of, what kind of character are we getting? Right. I didn't get, I didn't get my money. I'm going to go home and cry. And so, you know, are, are we getting an asshole coming in here? Even though everybody knows he's a pretty good guy, yeah. you know, so it's, it, it's not wise on his part to even think about not playing to his best level. Right. Uh, Free Palestine says, if JJ walks, it would leave the locker room wondering if anyone would get paid. I, well, Cole Komet got paid. That's right. Uh, and there were some uh, high-priced free agents acquired during the offseason I think that sometimes Ryan Pohl's methodical approach to building this team, which is slow, but uh, he tries to be careful. I think that sometimes that brings up questions that may not be fair to the GM. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah. what well, here's, here's what it is. He's, and I've had conversations with him about this. I'm going to pay. I'm willing to pay but I will not under any circumstances overpay. Mm-hmm. We've got a value on every player. And Hey, I know the guy who runs that department like a brother, <laughs> Cliff Stein. Okay. I know the work Cliff Stein goes. He comes into a contract negotiation with unbelievable comps information. You aren't going to beat him. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, the numbers Cliff comes up with, those are fair numbers based on the performance the player has shown or had in the previous years. Right. You know, and so, you know, if he wants to get Trayvon Diggs money, then play like fucking Trayvon Diggs. You need 15 more interceptions before the season's out. Just to catch up, just to catch up to him. 
the other thing is that when you look at the tape closely and even analyze the analytics, Jalen Johnson uh, plays the position better than Trayvon Diggs minus the turnovers. That's the, that's the big well, difference between the if, two. If you use PFF, I, I'm not going to listen. Only because <laughs> they their, their performance stats are useless as teats on a mouse. Okay, it, it's they're way off. Um, I don't know how they come up with some of the stuff they come up with. Uh, and so, you know, what they say is a pressure is something beyond me. And I, like I say, I've been doing this 42 years. You know, I, I know what a pressure is. I know what a, when you get graded as, as getting a, a pressure as a pass rusher, what you got to do. And I also know uh, if a offensive lineman gave up a, a pressure, what he has to do. And, and when I see stuff like, and I look at the tape and I see, I gave up three pressures and they say he gave up nine. I'm going like, what the hell were they looking at? <laughs> I know it's crazy. <laughs> you know? And, and, and so you know, you just, you take it with a grain of salt. So the only grades you believe are the grades the team puts on the player. And they grade every single, and they're very meticulous about it. Every single play, eight, the coach, each position coach has to grade every play of every one of his players in a game. Yeah. I will say this, and Swifty says he did an internship at PFF and says the whole system is a, jo a joke, but they keep detailed stats. I have found on more than one occasion where one article will have a stat on a player, an article, and then when you look at the premium stats, which I'm paying for like an idiot, the, the numbers are different. They're, they're not aligned. And it's like, wait a minute, you're misquoting in your article what I'm paying for in the premium stats. And so it doesn't seem like they have quality control over at PFF. And well, it's so, who, who, yeah, who the hell's doing the grading? And, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, this goes back years. I started questioning it. Mm -hmm. Is they come out sometimes within hours of a game being over. Mm -hmm. Telling you, this is the grades. Bullshit! It can't be done that fast. <laughs> I know how long it takes a position coach to do his group. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and now, and they're gonna have one guy do a whole team. Doesn't Come know on. the game plan. Doesn't know the play. The <laughs> schematics on plays. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, throw it out the window. It, 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 it's a. It's a thing made up for fans to use for fantasy football. Shit like yeah. that. It means nothing. Yeah. And they must be making money because uh, people oh, are Oh, they are. Because yeah. they, they, they advertise it. And, they, you know, NBC uses a lot because the guy who owns PFF or one of the owners is, is their announcer. They're played by, you know, they're played by their analysts, mm -hmm. Chris Collinsworth. Okay, we've got uh, probably a half dozen to a dozen questions waiting in the queue. We'll try to get to all of them, uh, if not all of them, most of them. I want, though, to switch the subject to Tyson Bajan because Greg sent me a text saying, I got some strong feelings on Tyson Bajan that I want to talk about on the show. Greg, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, 
you know, did he play as good Sunday as he did the week before? No. Okay. Did he do some really nice things in that game? Yes. Yes, he did. Am I coming off him? Not a bit. In fact, I like him more after the loss than I did the week before. And part of the reason was just watching him, how he handled things, how he handled things when things went poorly, his reaction to a bad throw, uh, how he, and this was very, very impressive. They, because they were behind, they were doing a lot of know-how and how he was handling things at the line of scrimmage and directing traffic and telling people what to do. It's a freaking rookie, and he was doing this like a five-year pro. You know, and, and you don't see rookies do that. So he's got football intelligence that is off the chart, and nobody is going to change my mind on that. Now, I did talk to a person related to the Bears organization who was at every game. And he said that, and I don't want to say, I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to point the figure who this might be. I'll tell you later. Okay. Um, he said everybody within his group and, and stuff are all like, who is this guy? You know, and they see how, the other players gravitate towards him. He makes that, that throw to the left, about a 12-yard gain to D.J. Moore. That was a, a not a good throw. That was an outstanding throw. Now let's talk about things that two things that weren't his fault. First play of the game should have been a touchdown. The official blew it. And Mooney knew it. It gets up, starts to run, and then he hears the whistle, starts jogging. That was a touchdown. That was an opening play touchdown of how many, what was it, 75 yards or whatever. And later on, he's got another play. I don't remember the yardage to Velas. It wasn't a perfect throw, but Velas is supposed to be a pro receiver mm-hmm. and adjust to the ball and catch it. And he dropped it. And he still came close to catching it. But he dropped it because he fell over his own two feet. Okay. Then he had a third throw to Cole Komet that the officials blew again. That also should have been a touchdown because he broke the thing and runs in. So even though he was credited with a running touchdown and no throwing touchdowns, we all know he had three. Or should have had three. Should have, yeah. Okay, so what he really did and what the stats say are two different things. Now, but I did this because I saw there's one guy in um, sports radio here said tweeted out, well, now that we know he's just a backup, we just got to wait for Fields to um, – you know, get back ready to play. So I sent him a, 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 a DM and I said, how is it fair to give this guy two and a half games 
when Fields has had two and a half years and still hasn't son- done some of the things that this guy's done in two and a half games. Hmm. And right. so uh, he processes faster. He gets the ball out of his hand faster. You know, so just little things like that. Now, he didn't like me saying that, and I said, well, tough shit. You know, <laughs> um, I've only been doing this over 40 years. I know what I'm talking about. But I did this. I did a little exercise yesterday and just took one, two, three. I did uh, five, uh, well, including Bajan, five quarterbacks. First three games. Now, I counted. He played, what, a half in that first game? Something like that. So I counted that. Hmm. But the other ones, it was three full game starts. Okay, Bajan comes in and against many, you know, comes in what the second half, he goes 10 for 14. So he's like 74%, only 83 yards, throws an interception, got sacked once. Against the Raiders, 21 of 2,962 yards, 72.4%, one touchdown, no interceptions, one sack. Against the Chargers, 25 for 37, 232 yards, 67.6%, two interceptions, no touchdowns, one sack. Okay, let's go to Fields' first three games. Starts, because he played mop-up duty in the first couple games. Cleveland. Six of 20, 68 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, nine sacks. Next week against Detroit, 11 for 17, 209, 65%, no touchdowns, one interception, one sack. The following week against Vegas, 12 of 20, 111 yards, 60%, one touchdown, no interceptions, two sacks. First three games playing, he took 12 sacks. First three games, Bajan played, he took three. Okay, now Trevor Lawrence. Now he's the first pick in the draft, same year as, as, uh, as Justin. First game against Houston, put up some pr- really good numbers. 28 of 51, 332 yards but only 54.9%, three touchdowns and three interceptions, one sack. The next week went the other way. 14 to 33, 118, 42%, one touchdown, two interceptions, one sack. Then the following week, Arizona, 22 of 34, 219, 64.7%, one TD, two interceptions, three sacks. Okay, now we'll go to uh, Burrow, another first overall pick in the draft. Minnesota, 20-27, 260 yards, 74%, two touchdowns, no interceptions, five sacks. The next one is uh, against, I think, Chicago. 19-30, 207, 63%, two touchdowns, three interceptions, five sacks. Pittsburgh, 14 of 18, 172 yards, 77%, three touchdowns, one interception, no sacks. Last guy is Tua uh, against the Rams, 
12 of 22, 93 yards, 54.5%, one touchdown, no interception, one sack. Next week against Arizona, pretty good. 20 of 28, 248, 71%, two touchdowns, but three sacks. Last game against the Chargers, 15 of 25, 169 yards, 60%, two touchdowns, zero sacks. Now, can you tell me that these guys are head and shoulders above Bajan as a player based on their first three games? No, absolutely not. Uh, What I find ridiculous about this whole thing when people evaluate Tyson Bajan's play is that you can't make definitive observations about a a rookie quarterback after just two and a half games. You just can't. Defenses are going to adjust to Bajan, and Bajan is going to adjust to defenses. He still needs time to grow into an NFL quarterback. He could be a great one. He could be an okay one. He could be a lifelong uh, QB, too. He's going to be fall somewhere within that spectrum, but for people to say he sucks is, is unfair to the kid. It's totally unfair given how little preparation time he's had and given where he came from, the one thing that is obvious is that he has shown promise. Well, he's got football intellect. Mm-hmm. He's got poise out the yin-yang. He wants to win. He's hard on himself. Uh, he, when he makes a mistake, you can see he's pissed. Um, and... He's just got a moxie about him, you know, and he's got a natural leadership about him that, to my eyes, is very rare. And I'm not trying to blow smoke up anybody's ass. I've been doing this for most of my damn adult life. Every time I see the play guy play, I'm going like, what? Where? How did he not go to a big school? No, fact is the big schools tried to get him. Right later on and he said no so um it's i personally think they hit a home run and not only that and i'm guessing here nobody told me anything i'm guessing that fields is going to miss at least two more games this week and next week because it's a short game Mm -hmm. and if this guy plays good you ain't seeing fields for the rest of the year unless this guy gets hurt. Hmm. That's my prediction. Yeah, and I I beg to differ there. I think that you know he That's I mean, he he would have to throw average three touchdown passes a game. I think you have to put Justin Fields back in so that he can make his case as to whether there he has a future with the Chicago Bears. He said he said two and a half years to make a case. Yeah, but you've invested those two and a half years and all culminating to this season. And if you're not going to give him the majority of the season to to uh, ex- uh, show what he's capable of doing, then it's kind of an inconclusive re- uh, report. Now, here's the, here's the question, because there's been lots of uh, active comments in the chat room. This offense is clearly better suited for Tyson Bagent than Justin Fields. True or false? I'm going to answer it this way. Why isn't it suited to um, Justin Fields? You know, they, they're similar athletes. Fields is a better athlete. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and he's got even more maneuverability than Bajenta. Bajenta's a pretty damn good athlete. He doesn't have that speed that that um, Justin has, but my opinion. After two and a half games, he has a better feel for a pass rush than Fields has in two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And knows how to escape the pass rush better. Forget three sacks in three games. Justin took nine in his first. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that is something that's very difficult to argue with. We'd have to bring somebody else onto the show who would debate you on that because, to me, and my eyes tell me that Justin does have trouble getting rid of the ball. I mean, that's been well documented. And, you know, people who are for Justin Fields say that offense needs to be suited to his athletic abilities. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that when Justin Fields was drafted, we were told we were getting a pocket passer, that this was not a quarterback who ran crazy at Ohio State. He stayed in the pocket, he found the open man, and he fired the ball. Now that he has failed as a pocket passer in the NFL, we're being told we have to change the offense for Justin Fields. I understand that, Not, but now – you're 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 going back against what we were being told when we drafted him that he was a pocket passer when he's clearly showing that he has difficulties making decisions in the pocket. Well, that's what it is. Here's what I, I, I the best way I can describe it. He doesn't trust what he sees, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't pull the trigger. But regardless, even when he wants to pull the trigger quickly. If you took a stopwatch and you timed it, you know, on, on, on similar plays, how quick the ball comes out of Justin's hands, again, his third year versus a guy, if you did it Sunday against the Saints, who's in his, uh, you know, fourth game playing, you're going to see that this guy gets the ball out a hell of a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. That's innate. That's instinct. You know, it's it's real simple. You have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, people in the chat room are are criticizing arm strength for Bajent and accuracy for the deep ball. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, is he perfect? No. Does he have a? He said, "I have a cannon." Oh, he's got a pretty good arm. He he doesn't have. Uh, uh, Justin Herbert arm. Justin mm-hmm. Herbert might have the strongest arm in the league. He doesn't have, I don't think he has a Justin Fields arm. He's got, he's probably not in the top seven or eight in the league, but after that, you know, he may may fall in that category. The But I'm going to say this. And We've talked about this somewhere before. When guys get to the league, their arm does improve because they're learning. You know, in college, a lot of the strength coaches don't know exactly. First of all, the quarterbacks don't work out that much. You can see this guy when you see him when he's stripped down. He, he has worked out. He's pretty cut up for a quarterback. Um, 
but has he done the right things to the right muscle areas that are going to help his arm strength? Mm-hmm. And that's his grip, his wrist strength, his forearm, his tricep, his shoulder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, and I was I'm watching the Minnesota game Sunday, and I and you know I, I watch Minnesota a lot. One because Cousins' agent is a good friend, and Cousins can rip the ball right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, now go on YouTube and find some video of Kirk Cousins when he was a rookie in Washington. And you tell me his arm was anywhere close to what it is right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I, okay, so yeah. you can do the same thing with Drew Brees, Tom mm-hmm. Brady, Peyton Manning. Their arms get stronger because they learn how to make it such. Mm-hmm. Is your dog biting the mailman's leg right now? <laughs> no, but somebody somebody goes by. He was in here, but then he heard something, so he had to go out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Coach uh, T, uh, co-host of Bear Football here on the Barroom Network, is asking what type of pocket passer. There are different types, vertical or horizontal ball distribution. Well, I, from what I saw on tape, Justin Fields was a uh, vertical passer. Uh, uh, pocket passer at Ohio State. He was going, going back. He had great protection. He'd sit back there for five, six seconds and hit wide receivers who were wide open. Um, do, do you see any um, – and, and I think that's what – you know, I understand, I think, what Coach T is saying, that uh, uh, Bajent is being asked to be a horizontal uh, pocket passer in this system. And, and that's what the Bears are asking of Justin Fields. Uh, do you see a difference there, Greg? I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I totally agree with that. What and – this, and I think this point's important. So in this first game, on that pick he throws, he's throwing a deep ball to DJ and, and it gets picked. He says – you know, either right after the game or on the following Wednesday when the quarterbacks talk, he goes, the check down was there. I was greedy. I should have taken the check down. Well, one thing I've noticed from him is he doesn't make the same mistake twice. He made a mistake once and he learned from it. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, hey, I'm getting yards. If we're going deep, fine. I'm going to take I'm going to take the deep shot if the guy's open, but I'm not going to make a risky throw, and I'm I'm going to take the five yards, six yards, whatever. And now we're we're second and five, second and four. Well, that is how you keep the chains moving, you know. So, uh, I I think some of the differences is Fields can't do that progression thing or can't do it quickly. And I can't tell you why. I don't know why. Because by now it should be simple. It's what you're watching on tape that that tells you, that informs you of that opinion. Fair to say? Yes. Yes. All right. Um, 
one quite one other question regarding this issue uh, dan bernstein over at the score sports radio said yesterday, oh, i knew this one was coming <laughs> was that yesterday or the day before i, I think it, i know where you're going yeah, Might have been I the think, day before. Yeah, I think you're right. It was the day before. Saying that uh, the Chicago Bears, somebody in the organization, whether it was Luke Getzey, Ryan Poles, or Matt Eberflus, threw Justin Fields under the bus by telling uh, uh, Collinsworth all of these praiseworthy things about Bajent, that Fields can learn some things from <clears throat> Bajent, which is something uh, basically I said after Bajent's first start. But it's saying that th this was unfair, the way Justin Fields was being thrown under the bus. Bus, I see by your reaction, you don't agree agree with Mr. Bernstein. That was Dan Bernstein being Dan Bernstein. <laughs> okay, and that is being cynical and negative. And I hear this so automatically, the antennas come up and the conspiracy th theory comes out, and the Bears are throwing. Justin Fields under the bus. He's full of shit. And I tell him that right to his face. It does the Bears no good to do that. Because if they determine that this guy is our quarterback and maybe we'll still draft him, but we're gonna we're gonna move on from Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. If they've been bad mouthing him, how does that help the trade value? Yeah. It diminishes any trade value. Exactly. And, and what the Bears were doing, this guy had to play. They knew he was going to play, you know, Sunday night. They knew he was going to play this week, and they know he's probably going to be the starter next week. After that, who knows? Mm -hmm. The trying to build up that guy because he is the story. He's the first guy, Division II quarterback and forever, who's ever come into the National Football League and started a football game. And it's a story. Started, it's a big story. It's a huge story. So they build up. This is what he can do. Yeah. Okay, that's what they were doing. But Dan being Dan has to turn it around and say they were fucking over fields. Well, guess what, Dan? You can kiss my ass because you're wrong. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> All right. Let's see. But you know what? Let's... He has a he has a history of doing that, regardless of what the sport is. He comes mm -hmm. up with a narrative and he sticks with it, and he pushes it and pushes it and pushes it. Mm -hmm. I worked there for a number of years. I know how he works. Okay. Um, Jay Sanders asks is asking you, is Justin Fields an NFL quarterback? I, I was hoping he would be. I have my doubts right now. And I, you know, what was it? After the third game, I, mm -hmm. I put up the white flag. I said, I'm done. Mm -hmm. and, and then he came back, probably played the two best games of his career. But then the next week he was terrible. You know, so... When we were hoping the light turned on, it didn't. It was only a flicker. Yeah. Um, do you think that Justin Fields could prosper under a different offensive coordinator? You know, I can't answer that because now he's had two. Mm -hmm. and, and, 
as the world has it, especially here, it's it's their fault. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know there were there were reasons he got drafted. I didn't necessarily buy into it, but maybe they were right. Why he he got drafted where he got drafted, and mm-hmm. why three other quarterbacks went in front of him. And, and part of it was what we're seeing. There are people who say he can't process quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I went back and looked at tape and I go, I don't see it. I don't see it. But, you know, in fairness, they could be saying, because I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I know that that game against Clemson, in the college football playoffs where he totally outplayed Trevor Lawrence was probably one of the best games any quarterback in college football has played. That was an outstanding game. But there's other games he had he had struggles. And that same year against Indiana, which is at you know the bottom of the barrel of the Big Ten, he stunk. You know, so you know, it, it's to get back to your original question. I I don't know if he can become a great quarterback or he can't. A lot of it has to do. The great quarterbacks are all very very instinctive, and for whatever reason, and you would think by now that if he was actually instinctive we'd see it. Right. Has he had some great throws, rare throws? Yes. Does he have talent that is way up here? Pure talent? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, he can do some things that very few can do. But there's something else that's slowing everything out, you know, slowing the whole process up and preventing him from becoming the player that the physical traits say he should become. Very, very interesting. Boy, we could talk about this for hours, and the chat room is fired up on the topic. I do want to address a couple of other topics. Well, this one is sort of related. Toreen is asking the question, why didn't the Bears trade Justin Fields yesterday? Any thoughts on that? Well, number one, he's injured. Number two, they weren't offering him. Number three, I don't think anybody was looking to trade for him. Can't prove that, so I don't know. Um, so I, I think that's it. I mean, you know, if he's going to get traded, it'll be after the season. Do you see there being a possibility that the bears will entertain offers for Justin Fields because either a, they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round or B Tyson Bajan proves that he's capable of perhaps being the starting quarterback. Well, it could be C, and that it could be C also, which is your theory that they they have to give him one more chance. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. may and and you may be a hundred percent correct. Um, remember, go back a few weeks ago, and this is after Game Three. I said you've got to find out what you have in Bajan. It only makes sense because you may have to draft a quarterback and maybe you have the quarterback, you know, and and until you have that answer, 
And the only way you're going to find out the answer is to play him. Okay, so maybe you know he's going to play this week. From what I understand, he's probably going to play next week too. Um, after that, who knows? But mm-hmm. if he plays this week and next week and plays pretty well, one's on the road, one's home against the first overall quarterback taken in the draft and first pick, um, which will be interesting. Okay, you got an undrafted free agent from Shepherd University versus the multi-All-American with national championships from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first overall pick in the draft. I mean, that – I think that's why they're keeping the game on Thursday night on national TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because uh, that, that, that's, <clears throat> that's a storyline all by itself. Indeed. Derek wants to know, why weren't they offering Justin Fields, Greg, since Tyson Bagent is, in your opinion, the answer to their quarterback problems? Well, I, I don't I'm not 100% sold he's the answer. I'm saying he's better in Fields. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I want to know. But they have to make a decision. So they have to know that because the way it looks now, they're going to be in position – either through their own pick or through Carolina's pick to get a shot at one of two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Now they may be out on all of them, depending, you know, Carolina won last week, all of a sudden they start winning and the bears start winning some games and neither team's going to be in that first or second slot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still a lot of football to go. So it, you, we're guessing at this time last year, we had no idea that the Bears were going to have the first pick in the draft. Right. Okay. Right. So, you know, anything can happen, but you still got to know. And, you know, after those two, there's some other pretty good quarterbacks. I can't say that I've, you know, studied them enough to say I'd take them in the middle of the first or whatever. Because uh, and quarterbacks have a tendency of getting overdrafted, mm-hmm. so you know I, I I I can't answer that. But if they feel they got to take one, it's because they're not sold on Fields and they're not going to pick up his fifth year option, which means and which means they'd probably trade him, and they're not sold. They think Bajan could be a really good backup, but we don't want him to be the starter. So we're going to draft a guy and, you know, be the third time they draft a quarterback high. And, you know, we all know with quarterbacks, you go through the history of the draft, half the quarterbacks taken in the first round, Buster don't pan out. And mm-hmm. you go back to uh, the Trubisky draft the third quarterback taken or fourth quarterback taken is the best one, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And that happens a lot. You know, Josh Allen's draft. He was the third quarterback taken. Who's the best? Josh Allen. So yep. it doesn't necessarily have to be the, 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 the first guy. Exactly. Exactly. You know, one of the things that uh, if Bajan does continue to start, even when Justin Fields is healthy, 
you know, this coaching staff deserves the opportunity to put onto the field the players they think gives them the best chance at winning and therefore perhaps maybe even saving their jobs. And so we can't dispute that. Now, they may have failed Justin Fields with game planning and schematics and so forth, but that's it's still their decision. And I, I you know, I, as a Bears fan, I'm going to support whatever decision is made, but I might not be happy about it. Um, because I, I I cheer for the team and I cheer for victories. Greg, well, so I. Of- let me let me let me interject this. Sure. Yeah, only based on one thing you said in in your little talk there. You said maybe they didn't have the game plan set up according, you know, to fit his attributes, etc. Right. Right. Well, there's an unanswered question in that. What if he's unable to do that? I, and they I know agree. he's unable to do it. I I agree. I mean, he he was the one. Justin Fields complained that he was being overcoached, and that it led to him being robotic. And then he goes out and plays better after he publicly dissed the coaching staff. So there is reason to believe that perhaps it's not a good marriage between Luke Getzey and Justin Fields. Perhaps he can play better if he's allowed to freelance more, or or. Or, or a offensive coordinator who knows, who, 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 who has coached more athletic quarterbacks than, uh, than the traditional drop back passers. But we'll see. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, the, the, those, a lot of that stuff, Aldo, is, is um, and by the way, every time I try to put Aldo on X, it comes uh-huh. out, also, it, tur- it, it <laughs> does a spell check to also. Yeah, Elon doesn't like me. <laughs> he doesn't like me at all. <laughs> I think I said one negative thing about him. <laughs> yeah, but, but go ahead. You were going to say you were going to uh, respond to my comment, or, or should we? No, I already on? did. I said we, you know he he might not be able to do that stuff. We yes. we don't have the answer. All right. Um, we got a question here. What do you think about the Raiders uh, now paying two head coaches? Um, who, what's his name? Chucky uh, Gruden and now uh, McDaniel. I mean, they're in for like ninety million dollars of and coaches that are not coaching the team. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, technically, they're not paying Gruden yet. Okay. That that that's in a an arbitration. Oh, that's right. Because you can't you can't take it to. They fired him with cause, so that mm-hmm. terminates the contract. You don't have to pay him. Uh, he took it to arbitration, and because of the rules of the National Football League, situations like that, uh, disputes between coaches and ownership, and even players and ownership on, on contractual things, goes to arbitration within the league. So until that gets heard and settled, Gruden hasn't been getting any money. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, could he have fired... Josh McDaniels with cause. I don't know what, what's your cause. You don't like what he's doing. I mean, that, that one doesn't cut it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the thing with Gruden, there was emails and other stuff involved. Um, we all know Mr. Davis just didn't know that Josh McDaniels was going to fail. It, it's, he already he failed miserably in Denver. 
he was going to get an opportunity and, and Ballard is probably thanking his lucky stars that he actually backed out of that job the day before and that and and that to me that was a mark against him because he went back on his word. His agent fired him because of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and his agent was a damn good agent. So you know, it embarrassed the agent, embarrassed a lot of people, but that told you he's got no character because he he backed out of the agreement. But as a coach, this is two times in a row now. He's come into a team and he's had a good quarterback, but he had to prove he's smarter than everybody else by getting rid of the good quarterback to have his own quarterback and be successful. And now with two teams, that's failed miserably both times. You know, the first was Jay Cutler. The second was um, with Carr. Mm-hmm. with the Raiders who's now the bears got to play against on Sunday. Exactly. Well, we have uh, more questions, but I need to get out of here. I got a lot of stuff to do. Um, I will ask this one last question, Greg, the bears versus you got to stay on for a minute after. So, okay. The bears versus the saints on Sunday, the saints are coming off a big victory over the Indianapolis Colts where their offense finally converted yards into touchdowns, scoring five touchdowns and one field goal in their seven possessions. What do you expect out of the Chicago bears out uh, in this game in new Orleans? Are you expecting a close game? Do you think that this team is in uh, turmoil right now with all of everything that's been happening? Uh, what are your expectations? No, I don't believe the team is in turmoil and I don't believe for a second that the coaches lost the team as some people want to say, because they play too hard. Mm-hmm. You see it on, you see the effort on the field. I'll be honest. I haven't watched one second of New Orleans this year. So I I don't know where they're strong, where they're weak, whatever. So um, I can't help you on that one. You know, I I just, I I know in that game, because I was watching the scores, Indy jumped out ahead. Mm -hmm. And then gave up the lead for whatever reason. Well, I but can they tell had you, a significant. They had like a ten-point lead, maybe more, early on in the game. Well, I can tell you to watch for my report on the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be on Buffon fifty-five tonight at about the eight p.m. The show starts at seven thirty. I will also post it on X, and you will learn that this Saints team. Uh, has been having trouble with their offense, including their running game. Uh, Their running game is nothing. You know, they've averaged 88 yards per game over their last three games. Their running game is not a very good one. So it's going to be an interesting contest. I think the Bears have a chance to go into New Orleans and pull out a, 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 a upset win, but we'll see. Uh, And yes, you know, you know, you know, weather's not going to be a factor. So <laughs> that's right. And hopefully Montez Sweat makes a big splash in his first appearance as a Chicago Bear. That'd be uh, nice. Greg, 
Greg, hold on. You and I will talk immediately after yeah. that. I want to I want to thank everyone in the chat room. A robust conversation today. And for those who left because they didn't like what Greg was saying, or as one guy said, I can't stand it anymore. These two clowns. You know, too bad. If you're looking for confirmation bias on your opinion, go look for another podcast. You're not going to get it here. We're going to speak our minds. Yeah, I, our I, opinions. I, I'm here because I I, I I'm not going to give an opinion that I don't believe in. Exactly. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say what I believe, and my thoughts come from my experience. Mm -hmm. Thank okay, you. Okay. So, and and that, if they don't like it, tough shit. Don't listen. I mean, you know exactly. that. That's fine. Yeah, it's exactly. If you're going to get upset because we offer or Greg offers an opinion contrary to yours, and then you're going to leave, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. <laughs>